are many stories out there of strength, resilience, and courage, and we're on a mission to bring all of them to you. Welcome to Empowered Voices Amplified. Our guest today is someone we've been really looking forward to having a chat with. And before we pressed the record button, we spent almost 15 minutes just having a chat. Her name is Debbie Lodine, fifth generation Queenslander on her mother's side and second generation on her father's side. Debbie has a long history of empowering people with the knowledge of emerging emerging technologies. She's described by many people as a passionate person about innovation for a positive future. She's demonstrated community, connectivity, and the value of diversity in organizations and everyday life. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we were we've been talking a lot about you know the importance of connectivity and the importance of community in Australia. What's been like why are you particularly passionate about these two things, connectivity and community? I think because as a child, so I grew up on the Gold Coast and all throughout my childhood, all the way to university, I was the only other you know, other than my brothers and sisters, um, I was the only Asian child in the classroom, and I was really quiet. Mm. And as, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just sort of blocked a lot of things out. But I have this thing now where I like to connect people to give them the opportunity to experience new things and learn new things, and especially with different cultures because it's it's so fun, really. Like, you know, every culture has their music, their food, their different ways of doing things. You learn so much when you when you actually connect with someone, you're learning something new all the time. And there's such a joy in connect- connecting with people. You know, mm. there's such a joy. So I really love that. Um, I like to stand up for the little person. I um I can be known to voice my opinion <laughs> um, because there are so many people that are too afraid to speak, and and it's not that they can't speak; it's just that you know it could be their culture, it could be their where they're um, brought up, it even could be um, situations where they can't. They they just it could be even dangerous for them to speak up. So I think it's important to have people in the community, community leaders that can speak up for others and also help others. Mm. You know, during COVID, we all went through, you know, complete changes in our lives. And I have a community leaders group on the Gold Coast and every day there was some, something would come up and someone, it might be like, um, you know, I haven't got a job, I can't pay my rates, so who do I speak to? And then one of us would say, well, if you go to this department in council, you speak to this councillor. Don't speak to your federal MP, they won't know anything about that. Um, so there are different people at different levels that you can speak to. So we, as a group, every day we were answering questions and um, even, uh, you know, providing food packages for people and delivering them. So it... It's it's we're here for such a short time on this planet. You might as well mm. do good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Debbie, what gives you the the courage to speak out? Because as you mentioned, a lot of people can't. You know, we we were talking about some people prefer to just keep their head down 
and survive and make it to the next day? What what gives you? Because I'm pretty sure you speaking out has probably cost you some opportunities. Let's be real, right? But what gives you the courage and the determination to keep going and to keep speaking out and standing up for the little person? Uh, I think I'm good at ignoring comments. (laughs) Just don't read them. (laughs) It's probably the best thing ever. Um, You know, people, I've had different things said in comments and, you know, I really do put it down to, I think I mentioned before, is education. Mm. People just don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So, you know, there was a whole, I would say, a whole history of a certain way of talking about, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It, it, to explain it is in politics, in media, they talk a certain way and they have an agenda. Mm. And with that agenda, it doesn't always look at the truth because they want to achieve a certain goal. So unless mm. you get both sides of the story, you can't make up your a true opinion. And so there are many people out there that don't have both sides of the story and I try and give them the other side of the story. It's up to them whether they want to go yes or no. But Mm. to give them both sides of the story, then make up your decision, I think is really important to me. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. The other thing you were just saying, that people don't know what they don't know, but they also tend to fear what they don't know as well. That's That's where education and connectivity comes in the more you see another human being as another human being not us against them then mm-hmm. you're, you're making connections you're, you're seeing the real person you're not just listening to that rhetoric that says all people of a certain type are, are you know are all in the same boat in the same bucket sort of thing so I think it's very yeah important. that's true you know and I'm not saying that everyone is good I'm not saying everyone is bad, but, you know, everyone is individual. So get out there and talk to them. Talk to people from different races, from different cultures, from different religions. You know, find out what different religions are about. You might you might find it's not as bad as what you thought it is. Yes, we're, we're, we're very polar at the moment, aren't we? We're just very black and white. We're very good and bad. There's no shades of grey. There's no places to meet in the middle at the moment. It's mm-hmm. always... You know, I mean, you only had to look at the US elections and um, we got a little bit of that as well where, where it was if you believe in this, you're all, everything you believe in is wrong. And if you believe in that, then everything you believe in is wrong, you know. So they, there's well, we very do have a ground. referendum coming up, but I don't know whether mm. you want me to mention that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we know, we yeah, know what we're voting for. <laughs> you really want to talk about that. So if I, I went... And heard from the person who uh, wrote the um, Uluru statement. So for the voice, there there is uh, it actually has been summarised to just one page, and I read it, and it's everything that I read was about collaboration. It was mm. purely about the Indigenous people having a voice for things that affect them. And if you look at What's happening even in current day with our First Nations people, I think some people would be horrified. During the bushfires, we had communities of Indigenous people that were cut off. They weren't even told the fires were coming. So my community group and the actually the Muslim group, we all came together and we had a um, fundraiser to fill up a semi-trailer and take even 
you know, sanitary pads because they had nothing. They were so mm-hmm. cut off. Sanitary pads down mm-hmm. to these communities in uh, New South Wales. If we treated everyone like that, it was like seriously like the third world. We had a mm-hmm. flood in northern New South Wales. Was it last year? They were cut off for 10 days. Northern New South Wales, mm-hmm. that's like an hour away from me were cut off no there was no help from government for 10 days there were there were, we had movie stars paying for helicopters to fly stuff in because it was so cut off mm. there was no telephone there was no medical assistance 10 days so there are a lot of things that are happening in Australia that people aren't aware of the voice for me and I'm not going to tell you to vote yes or no but we haven't treated our First Nations people very well. And people say, oh, they, they were. Well, I know a lot of First Nations people that are very strong and very entrepreneurial, but their culture is still within them. Their culture mm. is to look after family first. Mm. And if you have families all living together in one house, just like Chinese families, it is normal. <laughs> it is a normal <laughs> thing. We look yes. after family. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. I went to something recently, and we were we were at a panel, and one of the the masters of ceremony said said to one of the panelists who happened to be indigenous, you know, you know, what? How are you living with your mother, and how is that? And he's going, well, it's just our culture. It's nothing. It's very you, know, you shouldn't be teased about that. Why? Why mm. would you be teased about that? That's our culture, and we look after our our um, elderly so it's you know it's just understanding those sorts of things so for the voice for me again there's a lot of negativity there's a lot of untruths that I can see that's my personal opinion again I'm not going to say yes or no but I think the, the important things is to educate yourself read up on it read up on what was actually written. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. read all the newspapers read what was actually written in that Uluru statement and as far as I can see, on my opinion, it's mm-hmm. about collaboration and working with the community mm-hmm. and having a voice on issues that affect them. Yeah, I, I felt that when I read the statement as well. It's just, it's a beautiful piece of, it's, it's poetry really. It's a beautiful piece of writing and, and it is, you, you can tell it's from the heart. And mm-hmm. anyone who reads it goes, my, you know, with, with the history that the um, Indigenous people have been through, it, it could have been stronger, it could have been angry, it could have, mm. there, there could have been so many things said, but they didn't say them because they're about moving forward. So let's hope we can. And I think all minor, um, minority cultures are about that. They're about, we're all about moving forward. We can't go backwards. Yes. And also, mm. and it's hor- mm. it horrifies me that the Indigenous people were considered flora and fauna in our constitution horrifies me yeah. we were talking about that this weekend with with Sandra and a few friends about uh, you know how educating ourselves and knowing exactly you know not listening to everything that we hear you know other people saying or what we read in in the media but actually deliberately doing our own research and finding out our own information and Debbie I commend you for not telling people how to vote we forcefully told a few people how to vote over the weekend well, because there's no yes. other way <laughs> I'm voting yes but um it, it is really it's your choice I'm voting yes mm. that's that's my choice but yeah. my I would recommend you reading the information and reading mm. it properly to make your decision 
Mm. Don't listen to all that media rubbish. And speaking of media, so one thing that we are very passionate about and why we have this podcast and the magazine that we we are producing is we want to be able to tell different stories in, you know, in, in different, you know, different stories, different types of format of those stories. And you've, you know, we keep mentioning, oh, this in the media, this in the media. How do you feel the media landscape in Australia represents the diversity that is in Australia at the moment? It's not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's not. I think, no, again, it's about understanding. It's about, Hmm. for example, if if you called me, you wouldn't know that I was Asian. My accent is... Mm -hmm. It's, it's probably, it's not really Oka because I had an English nanny, mm. but, you know, you probably couldn't pick that I was uh, of Chinese heritage. Yeah. So, again, it's about understanding that a lot of nations have been here in Australia for a very long time. A lot of different cultures helped build this nation. The Muslims, the Afghans the, uh, helped build the trade routes in Australia with the uh, camel trains. We had, you know, the Japanese were here. They were diving for pearls. We had many Pacific Islanders here. They were working in the cane fields. We have Indians here. You know, Italians. We've we've all been here for a very long time. So it's not Mm. like we've just arrived and here we are. Mm. (laughs) We've all been here for a very long time. And, yes, there's lots of stuff happening overseas and whatever, but here in Australia, my one of my best friends is um, Indigenous. I have friends that are uh, Japanese, that are Indian, that are you know every nationality you could possibly think of. Not that I was not that wasn't like that when I was a child. As a child, it was not very multicultural at all. It's become more multicultural over the years. There's more multiculturalism down in Melbourne and Sydney, and that's probably um, you know we recognise that. The Queensland is a little bit different. It's There's not as many or you don't see as many uh, black people, but mm-hmm. they're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't see them, you know, and I'm going, well, you know, I spoke to an Afghani the other day and people are going, an Afghani? And I'm going, yeah, there's lots of Afghanis in Australia. <laughs> um, but you just don't, it's not, you know, something they recollect. Mm-hmm. So I think you just need to be open to seeing different cultures and and getting to know them because it again it, it's thing I find it fascinating hearing mm-hmm. stories and I and generally a lot of it is about courage a, a lot of it especially when and maybe not this generation but the past mm-hmm. generation of many of these cultures it's this what parents grandparents have given up to give their children a better life Mm. it's not heard of these days really as much you know it's not something that is talked about certainly but you know my grand both my grandmothers were very strong women but they gave up a lot a lot for their children to give um, their children the lives that they have today so um, I think I've gone on a tangent (laughs) you know I, I actually would love to explore that a little bit more about the, as you were talking, um, I, 
I was getting this picture of, you know, tapestry being woven, the different threads coming together and how they just make this beautiful, you know, piece of art. And you you were talking about different nationalities and how rich all those experiences are, you know, in your life around curiosity. Why do you think that, you know, the media uh, in particular or some some people are nervous or do not, how do you put it, maybe nervous, maybe a bit uh, concerned about mixing with other races or mixing with other nationalities. Is there something that you can share to encourage people? How rich you found your experiences and how, you know, what, what we need to do to just become, to become better. And we put it that way, to become better. Um. Well, for me, it probably comes down to food. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> so I like I like trying new different kinds of food. <laughs> um, so if it's a different nation or a different nationality, um, you know, I generally food also have there's stories behind food. There's always a story behind food um, that their grandmother has or has, you know, this recipe is passed down or or whatever and in even in the same country there's different types of the same food but different recipes so they're slightly different in different parts same as china you know up north it's cold so you have more spicy food down south it's mm. it's hot so you have more like uh, i wouldn't say bland food but not as spicy um cool and, and you know in different regions of the same country so it's i find that fascinating and also you know what can you what grows in that part of the country and you know, if you want to find if you want to find something delicious, just just go try to different. Kind of friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, I've I've been part of the multicultural community on the Gold Coast for so long. I've made so many good friends, and I and I guess and I said, you know, I'm curious, so I want to find mm. out what do people believe in. I sometimes I'm a little bit nervous that I because I don't want to offend anyone. Mm. Uh, so you know going in, especially in uh, religious places I, I'm going so you know what do I wear you know how do I do I take my shoes off do I leave mm. my shoes on I'm, I'm I'm a little bit you know <laughs> conscious of that because mm. I just don't want to offend anyone but it's so rich you know some the Greek Orthodox Church here has the most beautiful murals on the ceiling mm. the Muslim mosque is it's not what I expected because it's not mm. as as elaborate as over in uh wherever overseas in the Middle East but uh it's it's this true sense of community. In the the other week, I went to visit a friend in a Jewish temple, and again, it's and you'll find every like everywhere you go, it's this the sense of community and acceptance. Mm. You know, you can. It really doesn't really matter. Like I, again, they you know the media tries to make up this this fight between Japan and China or whatever. I'm going. Some of my best friends are Japanese, and and if you, if they ever need anything, I'm there, the first one there. So mm-hmm. it comes down to the individual person and just getting to know, get to know your workmates, get to mm-hmm. know the people in your community, get to know, join a group, join a. If you love singing, join a choir, and then in mm-hmm. that choir, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people from different nationalities. Yeah, I just just explore. Just it's 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 kind of lonely being in your own little bubble. I think. I think you miss out on a lot if you do, if you if you stay in there, definitely. Uh, you, were, you were talking earlier about Queensland being 
a little bit special. I know I've, I've grown up in Queensland, um, came from the UK and went straight out to the South Burnet, a little tiny town. And um, yeah, we, we were the only English people. There was one Indian family and a lot of Aboriginal kids, of course, and the rest were sort of Germanic English or you know Germanic blonde stock and and that was pretty much it so we were novelties I was a ginger back then so that was it I was the only ginger in the town so but the children were were curious you mentioned curiosity before but but very very quickly they learn attitudes that I'm hoping that this current crop of children aren't learning those same sort of attitudes on how you should behave and who you should hang around with. Um, I certainly know Em's daughter and her her friends are just so amazing and so they could teach us several lessons and, and they do. I love watching you guys interact. Yeah, I always. <laughs> yeah, I promote. I promote anything. Like a lot of people complain about our youth, I promote our youth. I think they're fabulous. I do some uh, mentoring, and some of the things they come up with, I'm going, "How old are you? <laughs> believe you? I cannot believe you came up with that." There was one kid. I think he was 15, or I don't know, 14 or 15, and he had made a um, virtual reality app to teach other children how to play chess. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. I was learning how to ride a skateboard at age 15. That was about as much as I could manage. Well, I can't, I can't ride a skateboard. But, um, no, I'm That's very amazing. fortunate. I get to meet some amazing people and some amazing kids. Um, the kids are our future. We have to treat yes. them. You know, you know, we have to treat everyone with respect. Mm. And I don't like when people come overseas and they see our nap plan, they are horrified because it, it really is teaching kids to pass an exam. I don't mm. agree with mm. uh, it. makes money for people that sell exam pretests. Mm. It's ranking it's ranking kids, ranking schools. I don't like it. So we, that's what we have to deal with. Yeah. Mm. I usually tell kids who get nervous about that, if I say, you're not being tested, your teachers are. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> our, teachers are, our teachers are under so much stress. They are. Mm. Mm, that's true. They're so, they, they are, especially over covid they had to learn mm. to teach online overnight. I mean, good on them, mm. I say. It was a tough gig. Mm, tough. Very much so. Really tough. We've got really a lot tough. of teachers in our family. Yeah, struggled with it. Um, Debbie, you recently founded the Global Innovation Network with the intention of promoting the use of emerging technologies in emerging nations and how that is changing the world. You just touched a little bit now on, you know, a 15-year-old who's developed how to teach an app to teach people to play chess. Oh, no, virtual reality. So virtual reality, you actually have to put on goggles and you're in a virtual world. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's exciting. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that and how you got into, you know, into that world and why you're passionate about this. Oh, well, I think, for, well, that's two things actually. So mm. how I got into innovation technology is I've always, again, been curious and I love science. I love reading about new mm. discoveries. I love reading about technology and what it can possibly do. So I was nominated in 2016 to go to a place called Singularity University in, it was actually held in NASA Ames Research Park, which is on the other side. So there's the NASA in, in, in Florida, but there's also mm -hmm. the research park in near San Francisco. So I went there with about 100 other people from around the world who it was the executive program. So we learned about the latest technologies from Stanford University, from NASA, from Google, from NSA, from, you know, biotech, everything. So it was really cool. But coming back here, 
I was like, so what do I do with this knowledge? We're really quite behind in in our knowledge for these new technologies. So I managed to get on the advisory board of the Gold Coast Innovation Hub, which was um, founded to unite all the entrepreneurs on the Gold Coast Mm. and unite them and also help them. So help them go from an idea to creating a concept or a MVP and then actually helping them, you know, accelerate so then they can get funding and et cetera. So I've been doing that for a few years. But my thing, what I've noticed is we're very, we're so insular in Australia. We're so insular and we truly don't know what's happening, especially in Asia. Africa is mm. amazing right now. I just see the stuff mm. happening in Africa and I'm just going, wow, that's amazing. Like <laughs> Ghana, all those countries yeah. are doing amazing things. But if you talk to someone right now in general, they will say, Philippines, Philippines, isn't that just where all the maids come from? And I'm going, hmm. Now, Philippines probably have some of the best AI experts. They also, the government is putting a lot of money into manufacturing parts for ele- electronic vehicles, EVs. Their smart cities are something, to, I've seen plans for their smart cities. They're converting three of the ex-Air Force bases, US Air Force, ba- Air Force bases into smart cities with new airports, new trains systems they're focusing heavily on environment social good and governance they look at united nations like every nearly every country emerging country is looking at the sustainable development goals every country mm-hmm. if you look at thailand now thailand have more billionaires than most of the asian countries mm-hmm. um, i went to a park in thailand and the, co- the company that actually is supporting that, the CP Group, make 82 billion US a year. There's no company in Australia that does that. And they're in telecommunications, agriculture, you name it, they're, they're part of it, but they're, they're also giving back. You know, Indonesia with Vietnam is, is the amount of innovation and technology in Vietnam. Even Cambodia. So I spoke to people from Cambodia. They have a tech space. It's four stories high, this tech space wow. where they have all these people can go and use all sorts of things to, start their own businesses like in australia we don't have a four-story tech space that's in cambodia so there are all these countries doing amazing things but we don't really recognize it here and we still Mm. see people from those countries as the maids or the kitchen staff or the uh and if we actually collaborated on a lot of things australia is very short on technical people like we Mm. really haven't pushed science and technology through through the system like other countries have so we are very very sure that is why Mm. why do you think that is so our csiro which is the the government department that um you know heads up science has been that they've cut their funding every year every single Mm. year it gets cut and we were the leaders in solar because like our our country is like how much sun do we get in solar technology Mm. but they cut the funding so they just couldn't continue so of course the you know the solar energy is germany china everywhere is way ahead of us at the moment why I think it might be political. Mm. They're putting money in other areas that, you know, gets votes. I, I, mm. I don't know. Science, 
unfortunately, science and technology are, are two words that if you, even if you mention them, people will shut down. Mm-hmm. So they won't even they won't even entertain the idea of science and technology. And I'm going, well, it's part of your life. It's part of everything. Mm. Um, it touches everything. So you know, we should be freely talking about it. And when I even though I was nominated to go to Singularity University by one of their ambassadors, uh, I did have to write application form. And one of those, what I wrote about is that we need to be talking more freely about science and technology mm-hmm. because there's a lot of old wives' tales that are really not doing us any good. Yeah. Um, it's And it, they cause, you know, it does cause problems and we really we nearly we need to stop fearing the unknown we need to try and understand what's happening so that we can deal with it otherwise we'll be left behind simple as that we'll be left behind and you know I'm really proud of my mother my mother's turning 80 and over COVID she did her she continued her line dancing classes over zoom wow I'm so impressed. (laughs) I'm so impressed. And, you know, my mum's the first one on the group chat. We have a family group Mm -hmm. chat. She's the one that uh, is is on that, on on Facebook and WhatsApp and all the other social medias. And Mm. so it helps as much as people fear Facebook. There's so much connectivity through Facebook. It's not just about gossip and whatever. It's you can connect with family. And also even in countries that have maybe aren't as advanced most Mm. people have mobile phones most not all and the amount of connectivity on that phone and the amount of things that you can do with that phone is astronomical it's just like having a computer these days Mm. so one of the things I do like to mention is emerging countries have don't have to go through the grief that we've gone through. So in Australia, in America, in the UK, we went through internet that was dial-up internet. You had to wait for it to be, and then it'd take a few minutes, and then we'd have to go through. And then we have phone cables that were made of copper, and it's like even now we're still suffering from that, right? But in emerging countries, they've already got satellites. I can go to Mm. Thailand to any little island and have better connectivity than I have at home. It's literally 10 times faster so they don't need to go through all that so they're advancing much faster because they don't need to go through all the all the stuff that we went through to get to this Mm. point so it's really interesting what's happening with with the ability Mm. to get technology quicker to these young people in different countries and what they're doing with it is what's exciting and if we're not going to do that with our children I don't know what our future is. Mm. Yeah, very true. Debbie, I'm blown away by your knowledge of, you know, just countries, what's happening around the world. You, you're definitely not living in the bubble of, you know, of Australia, of Queensland. You've got your, your finger on the pulse of what's happening everywhere. And you've spoken a lot about community, about technology, and your passion is clearly, you know, coming through. Speaking of education, you're one of the founding students of Griffith University. How was that? How was oh that gosh. experience? There's a story. There's a story behind that. So when I went to university, actually I started off in uh, Queensland University of Technology and I dropped out of that. I was doing a science degree and I wasn't really happy mm. with it. So I came back to the Gold Coast and we had a new college called the College of Advanced Education. So that's really interesting because they started their classes back in my original primary school. 
So my original primary school that I went to in grade one, grade two, grade three was now the College of Advanced Education. The toilets were tiny. It was so cute. So I'd done a full circle. We had our lectures in the cinema because the cinema was across the road. This was, this was just a, a new thing that started up. And then so they were building, they were actually building the, the college out at Parklands, which is um, close to Southport. As they were building in the third year, they actually changed their name to uh, Griffith University. Griffith University is in mm. Brisbane, but they take, took on a Gold Coast campus. So I graduated with the first Gold Coast Griffith University degree. <laughs> so that's sort of something cool that I can tell my children <laughs> and tell people that I'm a founding student of Griffith University Gold Coast. And Griffith University has now grown to 35,000 students. And we had, mm. we had maybe 200 when we started. <laughs> and everybody knew everyone everyone you know and everyone knew the lecturers there was there wasn't this online thing at, at all like we we still had the printers that were like the dot 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 printers <laughs> um and so my best friends uh from the my university days you know we catch up once or twice a year whether they're overseas and they come back or interstate we we catch up what uh, try to catch up once a year and it's fabulous we've you know gone through marriages divorces children uh, boyfriends girlfriends you know lifelong lifelong friends from those university days fantastic it's a shame my my son hasn't had the same experience he he went to university through COVID and not the same experience which which saddens me a little bit because mm. you get real formative experiences when you go to to live classes and you you interact with you meet people you've never so back to connectivity the the people rather than the the machines you can, you can do an online university course but you're not going to I think get I like found myself experience yeah and I found myself at university I was actually a very shy child at, in primary school and even in high school I was a bit of a nerd <laughs> um, you know I like science um, I was in the math two class. It was only like three girls, so I was a bit of a nerd. I wasn't, you know, in the cool group. But it's interesting. I went to a wake recently, and I'm looking around the room. I'm going, "Wow, how did I get with this group of people? These were the cool, cool these were the cool kids at school." <laughs> if I if I told my younger self that, that I think that would have been good. I think being a nerd is underrated. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. So you've you've spoken at a lot of events about, you know, diversity in the workforce and, you know, diversity means different things to different people. Yeah. Why, why is that important? Why is that important, particularly in emerging technologies, the space you're really passionate about? How does diversity contribute to advancing technology in different communities? So if I'll, I'll again, I'll break this up. So if we talk about a lot of people, when they talk about diversity, they, they only talk about male and female and or and, and other, you know, LGBTQ+. Um, but generally they'll talk about male and female. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, we need more females studying STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, math. But I say we shouldn't be saying that to girls. We shouldn't be saying there are not enough girls in STEM, so you should be, you should be studying STEM because, like, if they don't want to study STEM, then they're not going to, mm-hmm. there's not going to put their heart and soul into it. What we should be telling boys and girls is there are a lot of problems 
in this world? How can we solve them? What technologies can we use to solve them? Go research that. Make it your passion. What are you passionate about? Right now, 60% of the population is struggling with housing stress. 60% Mm. of the population. Mm. So if I say that to the kids and they're probably, you know, going through it themselves, okay, so let's look at at this in a positive way. What Mm. technologies can help build more housing? Could we use 3D printing? Can we 3D print houses? Can we use new different materials? Can we use lighter materials? Can we use better insulation? Can we, like there's mm. so much that they can explore and they will explore it themselves. They will get a fire in their belly and say, mm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, look into different artificial intelligence, look into mm. designing things with virtual reality. There's so many things they can do. I mean, they're going to out-surpass their teachers. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can do now with technology. And you don't, let, you don't fear technology taking over. Technology is purely a tool, the tool for your creativity and what you can think of to solve a problem. Mm. So that's why that's how I answer the question of the male and female thing. Like mm. I sit on many panels where it's just boys and me, or I've sat on boards like Gulf Coast, uh, Southport Chamber of Commerce, because I think it's like three women and the rest were men. Mm. But a lot of girls uh, don't seem to be empowered or they, they don't feel that they deserve to sit on those panels. They mm. nervous about being in a room full of men. It's like there's two, there's, all of us live on one planet. You shouldn't be nervous about being in a room full of men. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you, we need to teach our kids this. We need to teach our girls this. Mm-hmm. For diversity with multicultural people or immigrants, yes. what I say is for every organisation in Australia, if you employ a person from a different background, those people have different ways of solving problems. especially from countries that are emerging because they are so you know they bootstrap everything so they're going to have less money less materials but they are going to find a solution because they have to they have to find a solution so number one you're going to be able to come up with a solution for a problem probably in a quick amount of time number two they come from another country that's a whole new market they know that market better than anyone mm-hmm. they have friends in australia from that community how can we how can we sell our product whatever it is to that community you've got mm-hmm. someone there that's an expert yeah. um, you're solving problems because you've got people here coming from overseas that have degrees in engineering and blah 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 mm-hmm. they're working in 7-eleven what a waste what a waste and is it because their english isn't good enough well teach them english help them with it Mm. help them learn english or they i bet you their grammar is better than yours because they've learned grammar you know the right way so there's many ways to think of diversity again with your lgbtq plus you just need to accept people for who they are Mm. and it doesn't matter if you're male female trans or whatever if they're you know not a nice person they're not a nice person but you know if they're a nice person you know it doesn't matter who they are Um, get to know just again get to know the people around you take a chance if you have one bad you know experience it doesn't mean that everyone's like that yeah, I, I just think people need to open open themselves and open their hearts and, and, and get to know 
different cultures and different communities and find out what they can learn from them. There's so much to learn. There really is so much to learn. And it's it's exciting, especially when I talk about technology. You know I'm passionate about it. When we're solving the, the, the most difficult things, not even the most difficult things, when we're solving how to extract, you know, water from the air to give, you know, basically give water to people that don't have enough, that can't get clean water, mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. And we can do that at the moment. We can. Um, and people say, oh, you know, deserts are so dry. But no, there's every desert in the morning has dew. So you collect that dew and you'll have a glass of water. So there's so many exciting things happening. And, and there's always people say, well, you know, they, they think about now but not the future. So if you think about mm. electric vehicles and you say, you know, but batteries are using um, minerals that are, you know, mm. rare or whatever. I'm going, well, there are people working on new types of batteries right now that will be in 10 years, they will take over from the ones that we use now. So you have to think about what, are the possibilities in the future. We have energy uh, power plants run by coal right now. They're breaking down. They're old. So we need to think about how are we going to use renewable energy? Start thinking. We should have started thinking about it 20 years ago. But anyway, (laughs) but we are. We, 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 especially in Queensland, Mm -hmm. we are building solar farms, wind farms, et cetera. There's there's a lot happening, but we, we really need to, Again, we need to educate people and train people because, again, we don't have enough people trained in those those areas to, to run them. So we have to bring in people from overseas. We have to bring in immigrants. So mm-hmm. don't cut off the, immig- you know, the immigration limit because that's crazy. Don't mm-hmm. stop the global, um, global talent visa. I have no idea why we're stopping that. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. We, we need those talented people. We're bleeding talented people. Look at look at visas for example i've got two friends that have just finished their phd's there are there is no visa there is no visa to keep them in australia right now mm. but if you did kindergarten teaching or chefing mm. you can apply for a skilled visa but if you did a mm. phd in biometrics there is no visa for that that's insane mm. <laughs> because <laughs> my friends are, are world leading experts <laughs> in this technology and yet they mm. are going to ha- they're having a hard time trying to stay here oh. so it's though, yeah it is and they'll end it's, up taking that somewhere else that knowledge somewhere else yeah it's it's complete madness so you know why we really need to look at things from a grassroots level really from a grassroots I take everything back to grassroots, whether it's the mm-hmm. Olympic Games or um, technology or whatever it is. We have to bring everything back to grassroots because who are the people that are going to use it? Like we are, people at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Who are, Who's meeting your customers? People at grassroots. Mm-hmm. In a company that has 200, 300, 1,000 people, who are talking to the customers? What's working? What's not working? Who do we talk to? It's not the people at the top. They have no clue. Mm-hmm. It's the people at the bottom. They're the ones that know exactly what's, but then they're too afraid to say anything, which is, mm-hmm. again, you know, that's that's not good either. They need to be able to have a voice. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to say, this is not working. Um, we need to adapt. Even even my son, my young son who's working in a fashion house, now the, he's he's got, they're very expensive products, but the things that sell, they're the, the Korean fashion and the Japanese fashion is really selling, right? If you go into Maya or David Jones, they don't have Korean fashion or Japanese mm. fashion. Why, and why is that? <laughs> um, yeah. 
this is the stuff that's selling at grassroots and this they're not cheap. It's like $500 for a sweater. So why aren't these big organisations taking note of that? You know, why are we selling sweaters in Queensland? It's so hot. <laughs> Makes no sense. Why do we in winter have less swimwear? We can oh, sell yes. swimwear all year that round true. in Queensland. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just talked you know talk to people at grassroots mm-hmm. you know now when you mentioned swimwear it reminded me of the time we're trying to get new swimwear for my child for my daughter and we couldn't find any and when we asked someone in the shop we went to target i think it was at the time and they said oh we don't sell swimwear in winter i couldn't believe it i could because we still swim in winter it's illogical it's just <laughs> illogical but then again okay so what i say to that is that's an opportunity for for an entrepreneur to mm. start designing and selling swimwear for children, start at the market, sell it online, whatever you want to do, but that's an opportunity. So every negative, every Not negative, bad. or every positive problem, there's a solution. That's, that's powerful. Well, Debbie, this this has been such an amazing conversation and one way we love to end our conversations is through an encouraging note to people uh, is there anything that you would you could say to encourage new migrants in Australia and people that have been that are feeling a little bit run down and tired because a lot's happened in Australia in, yeah. the, in the past few years so just two encouraging notes to those two different groups of people yeah so I, you know, Australia is one of the hardest countries to immigrate through. We have a lot of red tape. It's expensive. It's expensive mm. and it's, it's, it's a long process. So good on you, number one. I applaud you. Mm. <laughs> Probably more people should be applauding you. Get out f- and don't just stay in your own community. That's what I would say. So join other groups that if you love dancing, join a group, a dance group. Doesn't need to be from your community. If you love singing, join a choir. Doesn't need to be from your community. Get out and speak to, I don't know, you could be sitting having lunch, someone sitting next to you. Don't be afraid to say hello. <laughs> yeah, all that is is hello. They could either ignore you or you can start a conversation. It is hard, but look, I, I'm not going to say it's easy. Um, if you come from another country, it is hard. But I know that people from overseas have have a passion of wanting to make this work, and so they do work harder. You just have to find your niche. Speak to people. Don't be afraid to speak out. But don't when you speak, if you're speaking out, mind the way you speak. Because again, it comes down to culture. Sometimes you come across some cultures come across quite uh, strong when they don't mean to be as strong. So you can watch people and, and watch how they present themselves watch how they speak practice your pronunciation don't be afraid to speak to the boss even if you're you know working could be anything could be anything don't be afraid to speak to your boss because generally the people in charge have already been through so much to get to the top they will they are generally happy to help you and give you advice many people when you talk to them if you ask them about them, they're happy to give back. Most cases, they will, they will give you, you know, they will talk about themselves and what they've been through. And quite often they will help you in some way. In most cases, 
in most cases. So don't be afraid to talk. I know a lot of refugees and and the refugees again have been through so much it blows my mind that these people have such fortitude to get through the stuff that they've been through and you know especially the the mothers that I see have a lot of fear so I'm going to say to other at schools other mothers go up and make them feel welcome even if they don't speak they generally speak through their children but you could get them to join your come and join morning tea whatever um, there's so many things we can do. There's uh, many on the Gold Coast. We have the multicultural, commu- uh, multicultural communities Gold Coast group. We have the uh, organisation. We have multicultural families organisation. We have the Migrant Centre. So there's plenty of organisations in their government funded that offer free courses. So you can do business courses, you can do retail courses, whatever they're offering at the time, because they will get a grant to put on those courses for free. And if you have a PR, you can do them for free. And again, in those courses, you'll meet other people, you'll learn things. There are expos, you know, there might be Seniors Day, there might be an International Women's Day, there might be whatever it is. There might, the school might have a volunteer at the tuck shop you know you can volunteer at the tuck shop you can volunteer um for mother's day store just you know get out and don't be afraid the only thing people can say to you is no and if there are bad bad comments i i ignore them i'm i've gotten so good i think from childhood of just ignoring it it doesn't unless i really think about it it doesn't upset my day because it's only a small part in an otherwise great day that's true and it's only one person in an otherwise great community and great culture and great country that's right that's right the minorities are sometimes the loudest as we know but you know they they are still the minorities in in that respect and just for me I find because I deal with a lot of older men so older men have you know been brought up in a certain era so you know sometimes when they speak to women it's a little bit different (laughs) but I generally tend to ignore that because they're actually not trying to be mean I don't think they're not trying to be mean it's just that they were brought up in that culture I'm not going to be changing them whatever age they are like there's no there's no way I can change them at this point in time. So I just accept it and just laugh and carry on. But, you know, you, you can't get upset over the tiniest things. So try not to get upset with, with, you know, just either ignore it or carry on, laugh, and but, you know, get down to business. If you're dealing with someone, especially a superior, like you've got to turn around and say, well, okay, no, but we, we really need to get back to the job at hand. You know, what do we do here? You know, joke, jokes aside, what do we need to do and move forward? Because otherwise, again, you'll be stuck in this whole another century of people not speaking out and, and just being too afraid to speak out. And again, culture comes into it. There are some countries where uh, the police, politicians, whatever, are, are much more controlling. Australia is in general, in general, it's much more accepting that you there are people you can speak to and if someone else is controlling you we have laws here that can help you Um, that's really important especially with the immigration you know so don't be afraid to speak out there are people here that will help you Debbie thank you so much again for you know for joining Sandra and I this has really been an enlightening and educating experience I've learned a lot from this conversation and I can definitely understand why the three words that people use to describe you are innovative, (laughs) collaborative, and community that came through. So it came through 
our conversation so clearly. And we're just really grateful that you took time out of your really busy schedule to talk to us. And we, you know, we hope you have a lovely week ahead and we're hoping we'll talk to you again soon. So thank you, Debbie. And to our listeners, if you've got any questions or anything you'd like to know a little bit more about emerging technologies, drop us on a note and we will continue the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for starting up this amazing um, Empowered Voices Amplified. Mm. I'm picking it up from where it was and bringing it bringing it back to life. That's um, really, really cool. And I wish you the best. Wonderful. Thank you, Debbie. Thank, Thank you. Debbie. you.